Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 27, please. Proverbs chapter 27. I'm just going to read one verse for our text here this morning. In Proverbs chapter 27, I want to direct your attention to verse 1. And this will be our passage, our text for this morning. The Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. I'm going to preach to you this morning on the subject, Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd use your word today. And Lord, we do need you. We need your spirit. Lord, I need your spirit, Lord, to enable me to preach and to expound on your word. Lord, we all need your spirit to give us understanding of it. And Lord, we pray that the Spirit of God would move in hearts today uh, to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. And Lord, for the the lost soul today, I pray, Lord, that you'd uh, make it very clear and very plain what you're saying uh, in their heart. And Lord, I pray that there would be a response to you that is submissive and tender. And Lord, I pray that the truth of your word would bring home uh, to the heart today, and Lord, the, the, the gravity uh, of the situation that we as mortals are in uh, before God, I pray that it would, it would be very clear. Lord, I just pray that you'd use your word today. We need you, and we pray that you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you're sitting in this room, that means you're alive. And if you're alive, that means that you are blessed of God. Uh, just by the very fact that you breathe God's air uh, is a blessing to you. You had nothing to do with your birth. You had nothing to do with coming into this world. Uh, You are here by by the grace of God alone. That being said, if God has given you life, then God has also filled your life with many privileges and opportunities. Especially if you live in the United States of America, you have a life that is filled with privilege and opportunity. But the Bible tells us something about this life in regards to it. Uh, There's a verse in the Bible that says, Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And the idea is, is that the time that we have is limited. And we ought to do something with the time that God has given to us. We need to know how to redeem every moment that God has granted us in this life to make the best of the days and the opportunities. Why? Because they are passing us by. You don't get them back. And so God tells us, I've given you life, but that life, this physical mortal life, is temporary, it's brief, and there's, you have only so much time and you need to make the best of the opportunities that I've given to you. Our text verse this morning reminds us also that we don't have unlimited time. The Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. It also reminds us that we cannot see into the future. Number one, we don't have unlimited time. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. There's no guarantee that you have tomorrow. And then he says, uh, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. It reminds us that we cannot see 
into the future. We don't know what the future holds beyond this moment in life right now. All we have is the moment that God has given to us, and that moment is right now. That's a sobering thought in light of the fact that we are eternal souls. That all you know for sure is what you have right now. We cannot see into the future. You don't know what the future holds. And that's a sobering thought in light of the fact that you are an eternal soul. Now you can know where your soul's going to go, amen? And you can be certain about that. There's some observations that I want to make from this verse today in Proverbs chapter 27 in verse 1. Again, the title is, Thou Knowest Not. But there's a few things that we can pull out of this that are very relevant for us, and we need to be sober in our thinking this morning. The first thing that I want to point out to you is that this verse teaches us about the brevity of life. The brevity of life. The Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow. The clear implication is that we have no guarantee of another day, and we have no guarantee of a long life. And there are many scriptures that suggest this to us and then teach us about the shortness or the brevity of our life. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 24, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. If anybody knows that truth, it's those people who live in Alaska. How short the summer season is. We get our wild roses that start to come out, and and it's something that you look forward to because summer is here, and then all of a sudden those wild roses are gone. You try to grow some grass in Alaska, and all you get is weeds. And you just mow your weeds. That's what you do in Alaska. Because they don't stop growing, but your grass never grows. (laughs) The Bible says that all flesh is as grass. The glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower thereof falleth away. That's what your life is. It's here for a really short time, and then it's gone. James 1.10 says, But the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. James 4.14, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. That's the brevity of life. You have life, God's granted you life, you're here for a short time, and then you're gone. Life can be compared to a passing cloud. It's a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You see that cloud that appears on the horizon? It moves across the sky, and then you blink, and you, you, or you move your head, and it disappears. Your life is compared to the steam that comes off a tea kettle. You know, you see it, it's boiling water, that steam comes up. You see it for just a second, and then it's gone. Your life is compared to your breath on a cold day in Alaska. You go outside, you go, and you see your breath for a moment, and then it's gone. That's what your life is. That's the reality of things. Death comes for every man, and it's coming sooner than we think. You... As a young person, 
11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. You have dreams and plans and you've got ideas of what you want your future to be. How many, how many people, have, their future has turned out just like they thought it would and what they dreamed? Life's turned out just like you, just like you imagined it would. Do you remember having those dreams and plans and ideas when you were 15, 16 years old? You're like, no, I can't even remember back that far. And where is it? And some are close to the end of their life. Actually, probably, you know, if, if the truth were known, there's probably a lot more of us that are closer to the end of our life than we think. Because yeah, right. it doesn't matter how old you are you might be close to the end of your life. The point is that the Bible tells us that life is brief. Job 14 and verse 1 says, Man that is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble. Yep, life's turned out just like I imagined it would. If I imagined that my life would be full of trouble, then it turned out just like I imagined it would. Because the Bible says, man is of a few days and full of trouble. Verse 2 says, he cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. Life can be compared to a declining shadow on a summer's day. It's here for a little while, but then you blink and the shadow is gone. That's a sobering thought. But it's one that is reality because there's no guarantee of tomorrow. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. All you have is right now and the opportunity that God affords you right now. That is all we have. Go over to Luke chapter 12. I want to show you an example in the scriptures. In Luke chapter 12. The Bible gives us a great illustration of how people think. And it's a parable that Jesus gives. And he teaches a truth here. And in verse 16, Luke chapter 12 and verse 16, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I do. So he's making his plans here. I will pull down my barns and will build greater. And there will I bestow my fruits and my goods. And notice how he thinks. And I will say to my soul, soul thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But notice verse 20. But God said unto him, by the way, God always has the last word. God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. As we read this parable, I'm sure you took note of the fact that this man had all of his plans. This man was definitely banking on tomorrow, was he not? 
He had, he had worked hard. He had brought forth all of the, the, the fruit of the ground. He had so much laid up in store for himself. He didn't have anywhere to put it. He's like, I've got an idea. I'm going to pull down all my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to lay up all my goods. I've got so much. I'm going to just take my ease, eat, drink, and be merry. It's going to last me for the rest of my life, many years. But God said, and he said, thou fool. You're a fool to think that way. Because this night, thy soul shall be required of thee. You know what the word fool means here? It means mindless. It means ignorant. And it means unwise. You're not wise to think that way. Because tonight, the, thy soul shall be required of thee. You know what that word required means? It means to demand back. God says, I'm taking your soul back. God said, all souls are mine. God gave you life. God breathed life into you. You became a living soul. But it belongs to God. And God said, I'm going to demand it back tonight. That was God's answer to all of his godless plans. The point I'm making here is his thinking was foolish. His thinking was unwise. And the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow. It reminds us of the brevity of life. Life is short. And, and even if, even, listen, even if you're old already, how fast has life passed you by? Life is short. How quickly it's passed away. And the point is, if life is short... We've got to make use of what we have in regards to our soul and eternity because all we have is right now in this moment. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Young man, you might be 15, 16 years old. You have no guarantee that you're going to live tomorrow, that you're ever going to see sunshine tomorrow. Young lady, same is true for you. How many stories are told of young people who go out into eternity so young, so tragic? They never ever thought that their life would be that short. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. You don't have tomorrow. That's not a guarantee. The second thought that our text shows us is the uncertainty of life. Because our verse says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Not only does it teach us the brevity of life, but it teaches us the uncertainty of life. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know that we can only see maybe one step ahead? That's really all that we can see. No man knows what the future is going to hold. We've got plans and we've got ideas. We've got some things in mind. But nobody knows for sure what the future is going to hold. We don't know the sorrow that could come into our life. We don't know the joys that could come into our life. We don't know the pain that might, uh, we might come upon in life. And we don't know the pleasures we might come upon in life. We don't know what's around the corner in life. You know what? There might be accidents. That's why they're called accidents, because you didn't know what was going to happen. 
There might be diseases. How many people's lives change because they're going on with life just like normal, they're living, and all of a sudden they don't feel so good, and they go to the doctor, and the doctor says, guess what? I'm sorry to tell you, but you've got like three weeks to live. What? How many stories are told of that? Disease happens. Things happen in life that we have no idea is around the corner. Successes happen. Failures happen. There's got, there, there can be worldly success. There can be pleasure in this world. All I'm simply saying is, at best, our vision of what is coming is very, very brief. Maybe one step ahead. We don't know what the future is going to hold. Even in this, the way that the course of the world goes, you know, it happened, it's happened before and it can happen again that the whole world wakes up one morning to find itself engaged in war. Storms come unannounced that wreak havoc on people's lives. Earthquakes come unexpected that destroy things. All I'm saying is the only thing that is certain in life, friend, is that life is going to end. That's the only thing that's certain. Death is coming. There's another illustration of that. Look at Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. This isn't a parable. This is a real story. It's the story of the rich man and Lazarus that Jesus tells. And Jesus is illustrating a point and a truth in this. And notice in verse 19, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also should come into this place of torment. And Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. This is an actual account, an actual story that Jesus gives here. And what we find here in the Bible, it says that there was a beggar named Lazarus. There was also a rich man who fared sumptuously every day. The Bible says it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died. 
You know what? Death is the great equalizer of all men. It doesn't matter how much you have or how little you have. The one thing that is certain about life is that it is going to end, no matter who you are. Death is the great equalizer. They were very unequal in this lifetime, but they went out into eternity on an equal playing field. But their destination was determined by their relationship to God. My point is this. One had everything, the other had nothing. What they both had in common was that they were both going to die. And they did. And did you notice that in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments? He didn't expect that. He didn't know what was coming. That's not what he was envisioning or imagining for himself. And he cried unto Abraham and he said, Have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And notice Abraham's words. He said, But Abraham saith, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime, there was a short period of time that he had in life, And all you can do is remember back. You don't get to do it again. You don't get a second chance. The point I'm making here is not only the brevity of life, but also the uncertainty of life. We don't know what's coming tomorrow. The point again is that all you have is right now what God is giving you today, right now. Everybody following that? It leads to the third thought, that we need to redeem the time. It teaches us that we need to redeem the time. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. All you have is right now. We need to redeem the time. If life is short, then we have no time to waste in idling and lounging. It applies to lost men and women and boys and girls. It applies to you. You don't have time. You don't have guarantees. If God is calling you, you must respond. Jesus said of the rich man who was a fool, at the end of that passage, the, the application that Jesus made, he said, so is everyone who is not rich toward God. Jesus used that as an illustration you got all your plans. You've got godless plans. You're filling your life up with things, but you don't know what's coming. Tonight, your soul's going to be required of you. You're a fool for thinking that way. And then Jesus said, so is everybody who is not rich toward God. If you're not rich toward God, and you've got these plans of life, You need to understand, number one, you may not have another opportunity. All you have is today. And number two, you're very foolish for thinking that you have tomorrow. God is calling today. That's all you have. You need to redeem the time. It applies to the saved man as well. This thought, redeeming the time. If life is short, then we don't have time to waste. It applies to the saved man as well, who might be living his life for himself. 
I'm just going to remind you that eternity is coming. And I'm going to remind you of this thought, that you're going to stand before your Savior. The question is, how will you stand before Him? Church member, how will you stand before Him? There's a story about a certain king who was very wealthy. Had a great empire. He ruled well. But the king was dying. And when he learned that he was dying, he called in his physicians. And he offered his physicians fabulous, fabulous wealth. Wealth that they had never ever seen or known before. He offered them great wealth for just a few more days of life. The doctor had no power to give it. But it illustrates the fact that this king would trade everything, all of his wealth, for just a few more days of life. His time was up. It was gone. Do you know that life seems very precious after it's gone? We take for granted those that we have relationships with, that we love. But all of a sudden, they become so much more precious when they're gone. And I wish, I wish, I wish are words that we often say. Got to redeem the time. I take you over to the book of Genesis and we could read through the account of Noah and the flood. And how Noah pleaded with people. And he said that God's going to judge this world. A flood is coming. There's an ark. You can be rescued. Get on it. And the Bible tells us that they mocked and laughed at Noah. But then, all of a sudden, when the rain started coming... And all of a sudden, when the earth broke open and flood upon flood was coming and they could see that their life was in jeopardy and in danger, that ark was already closed and their opportunities had passed them by. I guarantee you the value of their life and the preciousness of their life was coming home to them in those moments. Life is precious when it's gone. Opportunities are precious when they're gone. All of them wished they had taken the opportunity that was afforded them. In other words, what I'm saying is, we've got to redeem the time, and you and I need to take opportunity that God is giving to you right now. God is calling you. You need to respond. The fourth thought that we find or that I want to bring out is that men who put off their salvation are not wise. Redeeming the time. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not 
what a day may bring forth. God is calling you. God is giving an opportunity. And men who put off their opportunity of salvation are not wise. Go to Acts chapter 24. I want to give you another illustration. In Acts chapter 24, I want you to look at verse 24. The Bible says in Acts 24, context here is the Apostle Paul. He's standing before Felix, a ruler, a governor. He's able to speak for himself. He's giving account of his life, his ministry, his testimony, all of those things. He's been imprisoned. You come to verse 24, and the Bible says, And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. In the story here, this is a real-life account. The Apostle Paul, the Bible says, reasons with him about righteousness and temperance and judgment to come. And the truth that Paul was declaring to Felix moved him so much that the Bible says that he trembled. You know what Felix was thinking about? Felix was thinking about his own mortality. He was thinking about the fact that he was not right toward God. He was, not, he was thinking about the fact that judgment is coming on his own soul because he's not right with God. And it caused him to tremble. He was under great conviction. God was moving in his heart. But his words were, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. There's never a record in the Bible that Felix ever called again for the Apostle Paul. There's never a record in the Bible that Felix was a born-again man. No doubt Felix went out into eternity a lost man. When opportunity was right in front of him, he was not wise for taking the opportunity. But how many, how many sit in pews like this? And how many young people hear messages like this? And how many people are under conviction in their own soul about their relationship with God and they say, not today! Look at Acts chapter 26. There's another man, King Agrippa. And the Bible says here, and again, Paul stands before King Agrippa, and he's giving his testimony how God saved his soul, how he saw the light, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ, and how he preached Jesus Christ among the people, and he's declaring all of this. You get down to verse 24, and as he thus spake for himself, said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. He's mocking Paul. He says, he says Paul, you're, you're crazy. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am...
persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto him, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. He said, I wish that you weren't just almost a Christian, and not just you, but everybody hearing me today were, were in the same situation as me, a child of God, sins forgiven. The only thing I wouldn't wish is that you were in these bonds. He said, almost. What opportunity was in front of him? But again, neither the one nor the other, Felix nor Agrippa, as far as the record goes, neither one came to Christ. And the point that I'm making, or the application is simple, you put off salvation today, you may never find a convenient time to be saved. The truth is, Listen, here's the truth. God only promised that he would call one time. Jesus Christ is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He promised some light in your life. But he didn't promise. In fact, the Bible says that the Spirit of God will not always strive with men. The point I'm making is now is the time. It's written, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Men who put off their salvation are not wise. And the last thing that I want to bring out here with Proverbs 27.1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And it's more in the way of an application. This verse applies to Christians too. Christians who delay in their service to the Lord. Do you know what Jesus said in John chapter 9 and verse 4? I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. You know what Jesus was saying? I'm here for a reason. I'm here for a purpose. I need to be working and be busy about my Father's business. I need to do the thing for which I'm sent here while it is day because the time is coming when, the, when no man can work. And I'm making the application here. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. It applies to you as a Christian as well when it comes to your service to the Lord. There's another scripture. It says this, Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. My Christian life and your Christian life is coming to a close too. Isaiah 38 and verse 18 says, For the grave cannot praise thee, death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. The living, the living, he shall praise thee as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. It is the living who declare the truth. It is the living who praise God. How are you living your life? 
You're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. That reason is to serve the Lord. God has created you and He saved you so that you would produce good works and praise Him and serve Him. That is the reason we have life. Your life is coming to a close. So is mine. You and I are both going to stand before our Savior. How will you stand before Him? There's a story of a man who one day entered into the office of an outstanding lawyer and he saw three words on the lawyer's desk and the words were, do it now. He thought about that. He examined it. It was in a beautiful frame on his desk. It was words that were right in front of him. He asked the lawyer about it. He says, well, what does that mean? What are those words there for? And the lawyer said, that's my life motto. Do it now. Then a little while later, he took a trip and he went to South America. And there were two words that he had heard so frequently while he was there on his trip. And the words were, ha amanana. The words translated, there's a tomorrow. That was their motto. There's a tomorrow. It seemed to him that this was a reminder that they would never do anything today that they could do tomorrow. But they forgot that tomorrow may never come. And the application is this, friend. Our motto ought to be, when it comes to serving the Lord and living life, do it now. Tomorrow may never come. If you've got a word to say, if you've got warnings to utter to people that you love, do it now. There are people in your life who are not saved, and those people do not have a guarantee of tomorrow. You need to speak for Christ now, today. That ought to ring true. That ought to hit home. We think of it in terms of my own life. We think of it in terms of my days and so on. But the reality is we're saved to serve. We're to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. That's our purpose as a New Testament church. We've got family. We've got loved ones. Christ said to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know what? They don't have a guarantee of tomorrow. We don't know when their life is going to end. They're living souls, eternal souls. It's your job and my job. And what I'm saying is, don't put it off till tomorrow because it may not come. Do you understand? Saint of God, child of God, we've got to get busy. Get serious about serving Christ with our life. We live life for ourselves too much. I'm guilty of it too. And we spend so much time gathering things. And none of those things we're ever going to take with us when we go out into eternity. Jesus said concerning that rich fool, Then whose shall those things be that thou hast acquired for thyself? You can't take it with you. I only have one life, and it will soon be passed. 
only was done for Christ is what will last. Yeah. <clears throat> Amen? Amen? Boast not thyself of tomorrow. There's no guarantee of it. You don't know what today is going to bring forth. That applies to you if you're here and you're not saved. You've got to take advantage of the opportunity God's given you today. He's calling you today. That applies to the Christian. We don't have another guarantee of tomorrow. We need to serve Christ today. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, ask that you'd use your word. What I do pray for the souls of men today, those who are not saved, young men, young ladies, old men, older ladies, Lord, whoever that you're speaking to, Lord, I pray that their response would be, yes, Lord. And I pray that you'd save a soul today. Lord, help us to think on and understand the brevity of life, that it's short. Think, help us to think on and understand the uncertainty of life, that we don't know what a day might bring forth. All we have is right now in front of us. All we have is the opportunity that you're laying at our door, even in this moment. Lord, may we redeem the time. May we take full advantage of your grace and the opportunity that you've given. Whether that's one that you're calling unto salvation, may they respond. Whether that's a child of God who needs to re-examine their priorities in life. Lord, help us to be wise. May you have your way in Jesus' name. Amen.